First of all, we know that our land-raised strains are strong, they're drought-resistant, they're mildew-resistant. They've been grown organically by neglect for generations, and that's expressing in the genes. This is Nati Ferreira. He is one of South Africa's OGs and is deeply involved in the cannabis industry in many forms. From cultivation to education and training to testing and analysis, he's been around the block and is truly fascinating to listen to. I went out to see Nati on his farm and we spent the afternoon shooting the breeze in his beautiful garden, surrounded by the most interesting and unique collection of cannabis strains and phenos I've ever seen in a single place. No, sorry, that's a lemon ice and these are the Well, that's a lemon tangy. I love my sativa. I'm your host, Neil Liddell, and you're listening to African Gold. I took a drive out today to Paul to come and see Nati Ferreira. Perfect winter's day out here, blue sky, snow capping the mountains. Um, Nati, thanks for having me. Thanks, Neil. Thanks for coming out to Paul. No, it's for the Cape Town people, it seems like this long drive always, but we love having you out here. Um, yeah, and then enjoy the sunshine and uh, the spring weather. Yeah, maybe let's start right at the beginning mm. with the hardest question of them all. Yeah. Who is Nati Ferreira? That's a, yeah, that's, a, that's a difficult question. I wear many hats. Um, I come from a farming um, sort of background. My, my grandfather was a vegetable farmer. But I grew up in a, in, in, in a smallish town and then moved to the city and farming was sort of put to the back burner. But I got into the landscaping industry, um, which really um, satisfied a lot of my green needs and got my fingers green. But I also could see um, things happen and things being built and see things grow and see projects come out of the ground. So that was that was basically my adult life was spent in the ornamental horticulture and landscaping industry, which made it quite an easy move into cannabis um, as we step into the possible legal space of cannabis. Um, the horticultural industry and the nursery industry is just something that I've been in for so many years that it just came naturally to move into that space now. Okay. You know, people refer to you as a master grower. I hate that term. Uh, yeah, I don't use it myself. I do believe that we, will, we, we can grow the master growers of the future. And that's why we brought this training brand through Tomati, which was really an old beyond organic food brand that we played with many years ago. It's placed nice on my name, not yet Tomati, whatever. <laughs> but it's got nothing to do with Tomati farming. It was, it was a, always sort of a beyond organic brand. And to bring um, just proper concepts to the fore um, in food and in farming and in regenerative living, and um, that's why with a, with a link with Chiba Academy, when that came to the fore, we, we brought Tamati to the, into the space as a training brand, specifically focused on growing the master growers of the future. So I had the term, I don't think there's many, I haven't met many, I don't see myself as a master grower, but I do believe they're out there and we will find them and develop them into the growers that this country needs. So what is a master grower then, in your opinion? It's a, it's, it's, it's a loaded question. I would say... It, I always say, listen, bring me your bud. Just show me your flower. I want to see what you've grown. That's, that's for me the first test. If you grow good flower, um, you, you're a step up. And I mean, good flower, it must be good derps. It must have a nice bag of peel indoor, outdoor. You must have grown. If you talk about harvest, what is a good grower? I mean, that's anything between 12 and 20 successful harvests. You can probably call yourself a master grower if you want to use that term. But if I need to employ someone now in a commercial grow, and I know it's controversial, people will probably slaughter me for this. 
I'll look for the guy with the horticultural degree first, with a BSc degree in horticulture, and then we'll put him on the cannabis training and not try and do it the other way around. So yeah, there's definitely also, call it talent, call it something that you were born with, call it green fingers, whatever. There's an aspect of that to it too. So maybe we should depart from the term master grower for now. But in terms of talent, green fingers, successful harvests, and let's not forget a deep understanding and passion for the plant, Nati certainly ticks all the boxes. He may not consider himself a master grower, but if you meet him, you'll soon discover that humility and modesty are a big part of his character. And only because he hates the term, I won't call him a master grower either. But let's just say he knows his shit. But Nati is more than just a cultivator. As he himself admits, he wears many hats. You've talked about tamati and how you and and your background into farming, um, but you do a lot of other things. Yes, as well. I do. So, 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 yeah. So, I'm 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 a farmer that likes to read. So I read a lot, and I think that's probably been sort of a, a, a where where the, where the difference comes in. And when when we started to think about cannabis and commercialization of that, that really comes from. A social entrepreneurship background, which has always been close to my heart, is just to to develop what is known as your workers or your workforce to really turn them into suppliers and to develop that supply chain. That's always been close to my heart. I've been doing that for 15, 20 years. And all companies that I ever worked for, I had ended up having that role of being the link between the corporate and the community. Um, and we've developed some nice models around cooperative farming and primary and secondary cooperatives. And when I first met Tony Budden and started to really look at the hemp industry, we saw hemp as a possible solution for lots of marginal land around the Western Cape, old forestry land and whatever. So I came sort of from a from a from that background as a farmer onto cannabis. And I all of a sudden just found that this is such a steep learning curve and you very, very quickly get to a point where you just shut up. Because there's just so much to learn and so little people that actually know about this plant. And I realized that my need to know, need to be satisfied. And we couldn't even find a place in South Africa where you could analyze cannabis that you buy at the taxi rank. And I met, met some people in the industry. I met a guy called Mark Norti that had a company called Canalytics, where he brought in a near-infrared spectrometer from the States. And he was going around testing home growers as illegal bad. Um, and trying to help them with their pheno hunting. And a lot of the phenos that we've got at the moment, still commercial in South Africa, comes from that machine's history. And I met up with Mark Nortir and really got into this quest for bringing an analytical laboratory onto the market that really comes with people that comes from a cannabis background and a scientific background and bring that into the market. At that stage, we were still quite keen on anonymous testing. We felt that that was quite important to provide some form of anonymous testing. Um, the constitutional court ruling that came after that made that for redundant. It, it made it unnecessary. And we've been running cure under the cover of the constitutional court ruling up till now also, where um, we basically assume that that product stays yours. It's your personal uh, property right through the end till we store it in our safe and eventually 
dispose of it. You can always come and collect it also what's left. But anyway, so that so the, and, and that's when we formed Cure, where I yeah. stepped into this this um, scientific space where, where we got a group together. It really happened when the day I met Brenda Marks, which is who is an analytic, analytical chemist which with with a long sort of background in food and, and um, beverages. When I met her and saw, yeah, yes, someone that's actually analyzed cannabis before. She's been making oil. She's been using it for her for herself and her family. And she's got a gas chromatography machine where she actually analyzes cannabis on. And around that, we formed this business. I had Gene Jeffrey, who I've known through social entrepreneurship and, and, and local economic development for years. And I brought another friend of mine who is a PhD student in cannabis genetics on board. And we've, we formed this company, um, which, is, which is out there in the market, Cure Analytics. Really, um, I believe, the best com um, company at the moment for cannabis analytics. We're there for the people, we're for the home grower, but we're also all about getting safe medicine out there when, when therapy is your end goal. And if you're a grower or producer of any kind and you haven't had your bud or product tested, you really should. Now with Cure, you can do so cheaply and easily and I believe everyone should know their grow. I went to see Cure and got a front row seat into the testing process, which we'll share in a future episode. And with testing comes data, and data is exactly what we need when talking about genetics. I asked Nati about our own genetics and our land race stress. What are your thoughts around genetics in South Africa, our specific genetics? Um, we need, yeah, look, we've, we've, we, we don't even know where our genetics is gone. We need, we need serious money. We need serious research. And I know research is also a loaded term now, but in this area, we need serious research to confirm what we believe. And what do we believe? That's what I want to talk about. <laughs> First of all, we know that our land race strains are strong. They're drought resistant. They're mildew resistant. They've been grown organically by neglect for generations, and that's expressing in the genes that these plants are pest resistant, disease resistant, and they show some very, very interesting cannabinoid profiles, which we cannot ignore as we do more and more research into medicine, that we find some amazing minor cannabinoids coming, coming to the fore, of which THCV is probably the most um, popular, well-known of the minor cannabinoids. We find very low levels of CBD. We're not going to talk about CBD today. I don't even want to mention CBD. But we find some CBD. But we find CBC, CBN, um, and various other cannabinoids in, in, a, in a very, very good balance in most of the South African, call them land races. So the genetics are out there. We also need to look at what's been selected mostly intuitively by home growers during the past 20, 25 years in South Africa. And the strains that have been developed by, by therapists and bred locally and are out there that realize a lot of potential. And we sit with a completely upside down situation now. And that is the whole thing about cannabis, where we now need to take a completely abnormal situation and we need to normalize. So normalizing cannabis also goes down to normalizing the genetics that are out there already and try and prove back whether this is the right plant for the job. And to do this, ultimately we need the law to open up and to allow a legal framework where research can safely take place. What's interesting in South Africa is that not all provinces are equal in terms of their vision for cannabis, and some are doing more than others. 
the Western Cape government, they were not interested in getting involved in agricultural research. They did not believe in the hemp permits we put on their table. They did not want to um, engage with us at all around cannabis, except if it was about a Section 22 application as per SAPRAS 20, November 2017 regulations. That was the only thing that they wanted to talk about. It is only recently that companies like Westgrow and those or groups like Westgrow started to look beyond um, pharmaceutical cannabis. And, it, and, and that's the Western Cape. Whilst in the Eastern Cape, we've been having talks about recreational cannabis and dispensaries and hemp growing and cannabis growing for years with government. They've got a cannabis desk, really, really active. They're taking this thing seriously. We've seen the same thing happen in KwaZulu-Natal. In the Free State, we've had research in the Free State universities for years, supported by provincial government. All over, we see a lot happening, which we do not see happening in the Western Cape. You know, but I do, I mean, especially in the last few weeks, I go through these roller coasters of, I see positive change and then I get hit with a fear, like as now, you know, I'm facing serious, serious consequences yeah. here. And some days I'm really confident and positive. And the last few weeks have felt positive. Because you start seeing the Ministry of Health coming out. Kosatu's mm. just come out there. Yeah, I love, I love Tony there. I you mean, know? That was good. I mean, so yeah. I just feel, what do you feel? I feel like the convergence, it's starting to happen. Like it's, it's definitely happening. And, and, and I think Gareth Prince said it yesterday, and he said it often that it's the first time ever that an, a pharmaceutical compound has been driven by the people. We've always been fed this shit in the past. We've been fed shit that's gone through patenting or whatever that's been proven through the pharmaceutical industry as a cure for some disease that they probably also thought up. And then we've been fed it as cures. But this is the first time ever that anything's ever come from the public and say, listen, this thing can no longer be illegal. We need to use this thing. And that is what's happening. Yeah. This plant is sorting itself out. And we will one day thank government for their procrastination on this. That the mistakes made in Canada and made in, 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 in Europe around commercial cannabis, not made here in South Africa. If we sit with the investment that were made in Canada and that investment were moved to South Africa five years ago, when South Africa probably had the opportunity to do that when Lesotho came online, we would have had egg on our faces today. An industry that would have been dead in the water from the beginning. For people who don't know, let's talk about some of those mistakes. Yeah, so so first of all, they um, they looked at, at how cannabis is grown and they immediately thought this thing is grown indoors. It's, it has to be grown in a factory. So they've, they've, they've taken the production of a plant and turned it into the production of a pharmaceutical ingredient. The only reason why cannabis was grown with lights and indoor was because it was illegal. There's no pharmaceutical reason for it to be done. Right? So they immediately went and they took the only regulations that are on the market for whether you make disprint or you make a Schedule 5 or Schedule 6 substance, you do it in a GMP or current GMP facility under very, very strict conditions. That's how you produce ph pharmaceutical ingredients. And they applied that to cannabis. And Cannabis is an abundant plant that wants to grow into the sun. It produces a molecule called THC abundantly. 
And they went and they restricted that. And they tried to grow this under the most difficult conditions ever to produce some sort of ingredient, which they ended up not being able to use in that form anyway. And um, the market is, is not ready for full-spectrum medicine yet anyway. So they're bro- breaking it down to isolates anyway, competing to C- for, for CBD, for one, to the Chinese market, where they do it on mass scale. They've got CBD extraction, cannabis oil extraction plants that look like sasol, um extracting oil, um, because they've been doing it for so long. And they have the sense, and they've learned that you grow hundreds of thousands of hectares of this stuff abundantly, easily, and extract the cannabinoids quite easily from it. Um, not like they've done in Canada and they've done in where they've now mothballed massive, massive facilities. Some of the biggest indoor grow facilities they've mothballed because they're useless for any other crop. There's no other crop on earth that needs those facilities. You're not going to grow blueberries in them. You're not going to be able to grow macadamias or any of these high value crops in them. Not even saffron that everybody's singing about now is this amazing crop. They're just not suitable for anything but cannabis. So they will really become massive white elephants. They'll, they'll, they, they, there's nothing that you can do with them now. And if that money came to South Africa, we would have had those facilities in South Africa now really going to waste. Um, because the benefits of South Africa really lies in the fact that we have a labor force that upskills very quickly. We've got a massive, even unemployed labor force that is not difficult to upskill. Um, we, we've got a environment where we've got the sun almost in most areas right through the year. We've got solid growing conditions. We're one of the best agricultural areas of, 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 of Africa. We, we, we fed Africa for quite a while. Um, we've, got, we've got good land. We've got access to amazing infrastructure. I think we've got one of the best road networks in the world if we add up all our tar roads. We've got an amazing train network that can be brought onto line very easily. We've got our harbors. We've got a good government. We've, it, you can be as critical as you want. We've, we've got a westernized good government. Um, shit does not hit the fan in South Africa like we expected. I mean, I always like to quote the Smuts in this, that South Africa is the country where the best or the worst never happens. <laughs> and, and it just feels like it. And like, well, cannabis can maybe make the best happen <laughs> for us, but it is, it, it is always like it. But, but that's what an investor wants. So we've got a lot of good things about South Africa, but we, we almost sort of ignored all of that. And we took a Canadian model and we wanted to bring that to South Africa or to Lesotho, staff it with Canadian people. Um, and then if whatever money, the medicine, first of all, were not allowed in the country. It's like Pfizer making jabs in Cape Town for the European market. They're not, they're not accessible to the people on the other side of the N7 in Dunoon. Um, it's the same thing. Even the medicine made in those facilities were not for, for, for the locals. But that's how it is now. And right? it's still like that yeah. now. But luckily, we did not see that uh, amount of foreign investment coming to the South, South Africa that would have happened five years ago. It's difficult to find investment in cannabis now. And well, it's a good thing. But it's and be- I think we can thank government for that. Mm. Um, but their mistakes in, in just procrastinating and just kicking this, this 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 can down the road all the time, and they're still kicking it down the road. They want us to to, to reject this bill now. Mm. I just saw that come up with that whole portfolio com- committee. Their questions, they that uh, Dr. Schwartz, for instance, he, he asked the same question to every panelist almost. He said, "Do you reject the bill in its entirety or not?" They want us to reject the bill now because it kicks the can down the line again. 
Um, but it is the best thing that we can do now is to reject it. Absolutely. And, and then it will be another two years of vacuum. But the only, the, 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 for me, the, the, and I mean, I know we're diverging now, but for me, the, the only sort of the, the one thing there that's, that we, we're not even going to negotiate about is a moratorium on further arrests. We mm. cannot still have people arrested for cannabis in the country while government fucks us around with this. And that is something I wholeheartedly agree with. Arrests must stop. It's too late for me, but people are still being arrested for growing and using cannabis every single day. Despite it being illegal to grow your own weed, the police are still busting down people's doors and arresting innocent people. And this needs to stop. Let's get back to Nati and let's take a tour through his garden. All right, so let's take a walk. What do we got here? I am just flyering out some phenos now in winter. So we're pushing it really hard because we're going to start to get re-vetched possibly from the end of February. We're just really trying and testing new phenos, especially around ratios. We're looking for those novel cannabinoids. Got so you. There's some CBG strains in here, some CB, CBD. And then also just some interesting one-to-one and one-to-four ratios. But then there's also some stuff that just happened on our way because of the colors. And the way they grow. This is a this is a Pakistani land race um, that we got. And we just found this, this um, amazing Beautiful. color in the seed last year. So we took some cuttings from it and we're just growing it again. Beautiful um, dark purple. Hey? Yeah, that, that plant over there. I mean, the, the purpling, the veins. That's just an ornamental plant. I've still got just art for ornamental horticulture. <laughs> These plants are so pretty. So a lot of them I just grow because they're pretty. Yeah, and then there's some new stuff. Also, there's a lemon shining there, peanut butter breath. I mean, there's some stuff that I just got from, from friends that they say, listen, there's, there's a cut. We've, we've grown it. Just try it and keep it. Uh, but then I, I will never, ever... I will never ever provide someone with a plant unless I've grown it out myself. So I don't trust anybody on it, no matter who you are, no matter what the story is around the cut, it still goes in the air or it goes into the garden or somewhere. I want to grow it out myself. I want to see it doesn't hurt me. I want to see the flower and I want to taste it at the lab. You can see this is where the light misses it. Yes, that light now it flowers sort of on this side. And the, but I mean, just check the tips on that if you... Mm-hmm. Already, I yeah, said. So. What? What's this? Cheese, it's super cheese. cheese. But it's very really bubble gummy cheese. This is my mother tunnel. How many? How many strains you reckon you got here? About for- seventy strains, but there's a few extra phenos. So I've probably got about hundred and twenty plants in here. White, white cheddar, sex wax, pine chunk. <laughs> it's all over. Man. Cherry OG. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so there's about forty. 50 of these that I've really grown hot in hot conditions. I can tell you the whole story about them. I can tell you, listen, it's going to get a little bit of mildew then or then, or it won't, or it's nitrogen sensitive, or it's a late season, early season, long, short flow. We know the story about these plants. You know, sometimes you get a plant from someone and you you take the guy who gave it to you and you say, oh man, that's going to be shit. So I've just... This plant, I haven't kept the mother off. And we've started to flower it. 
and it actually looks quite promising. It's a Swazi cross skywalker, the guy said. Um, so what happened here, we've actually turned on the light from that side to try and get it to revetch a bit from the uh, side so we can so take a cutting. So now it's, it's getting light from the HPS spilling. I've turned that HPS around so it can spill a bit over here. So it's revetching on this side. People mm -hmm. who can't see it, obviously, the one side is just like completely purple, beautiful, like it, it just looks super interesting. And the other half of it, which is the one facing yeah. the HPS, is, you know, starting to almost it's also, re It's also so that even though it's far from here, that HPS and this, this, this boundary fence here, also it's, it's, it's probably a bit of a warmer pocket here than that side of the tree. So it's also the cold. But it, it shows you how that cold expression and the formation of the anthocyanidins that forms the color actually happens in the leaf. It happens right up there is where the magic happens. So we always grow cannabis in the garden just because I love having plants around. Is it amnesia? Yeah, I think so. No, sorry, that's a lemon haze. Amnesia is over here. Interesting pheno for a lemon haze, eh? For lemon haze. Eh? This is the A, so this is A and B of the lemon haze. This is what we do, sort of, just to make sure something. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a lemon tangy. I love my sativa, so... I can so see that. But yeah. this thing stacks nicely, even for winter. I mean, yeah, look at that, this thing's yeah. got potential, you can see. Yeah. And that's it for today's episode. I hope you've enjoyed the chat and the walkabout with Nati. I'd just like to give a shout-out to all those who are donating to the podcast. Every little bit helps, and your generosity means a lot. If you're not supporting the show, please consider doing so. Go to africangold.media for details. In the meantime, keep well, stay safe, and I'll catch you in two weeks for another talk of African Gold.